0: Hello everyone and welcome to the guidepost again. We are cranking out episodes because I contracted the black plague in uh in DC and was unable to lift my head for several weeks. Um I, I don't I don't know what it was. I don't care to find out, and I hope that no one listening gets it because it was horrific and I spared all of you from listening to my hacking and wheezing i know it's bad enough on a good day um so what what team asga was thinking um you know to kind of round out the year this was i this was our best year ever for the podcast you know we were freaking out frankly because we don't want to lose our loyal listeners um because we're not We're not being consistent with the podcast, and we certainly weren't, and that's on my shoulders. Um, But we wanted to end the year strong and kind of take a walk down memory lane, show people, you know, maybe what we were working on behind the scenes and what our goals are, and kind of open the doors to 2024 and the good things to come. And with all that said, um, I think one of the coolest things about, you know, people people look at the work that we do and they're like, wow, this job is so cool. I would love to do that. How did they get so lucky? And I, I got to tell you, the only thing that I would compare this job to is being a sparring partner for Mike Tyson. Um, you kind of get your butt kicked on a daily basis and you just get up and dust yourself off and get your butt kicked again. Um, but the coolest thing about this job is the awesome friends that you make along the way. Um, and I have one of them with me right now, uh, Lu Yan Cho, who has, who is, I think is a master at his professional craft and has able been able to fold that into fishing uh, and helping the science side of fishing um, with his Got One app. So, Lou, welcome to the, welcome to maybe our last show of the year, I may, I may, do one more but we're super happy to have you. How was uh how was your Christmas with the family?
1: Hey Tony, uh thanks for having me um and uh, uh the holidays were great. Um we spent a lot of family time. I I somehow did not uh dodge the uh, sickness uh, uh issue. Uh I I managed to get really really sick uh, on a family trip out on the west coast, but um yeah i'm i'm good now and i'm honored to be here to uh back clean up on your on your
0: incredible pot
1: <laughs> thanks for having me
0: man we're uh we're glad to have you so i'll do a real quick uh how the heck this started it's a really interesting story so you know lou's just got one of them minds you know like I don't know which podcast is going to come out first, but I did one this morning with Blaine. And, you know, you talk to you talk to Blaine, and you get about 15 minutes into it, and then he starts talking about fly design. And you're just like, this dude's on another freaking planet, and I'm just going to shut up and listen to him, and maybe my, my feeble brain will pick up one or two things from this conversation. And I, I feel the same way when Lou starts talking about technology and AI and learning, you know, online learning. And, um, so Lou and I were, Lou and I had met through the guides association and we were friends and Lou calls me all excited one morning and his wife was using this app that she could hold up at at their place in Long Island and it would hear birds talking to each other, and it would tell you what kind of bird it was. And, of course, the normal person would say, holy mackerel, that's cool. And Lou said, what a waste. All this data is being aggregated. <laughs> why aren't they Why aren't they aggregating this stuff? And they, you could find this stuff and this stuff and this stuff about the data. And then a light bulb went off in his head, and he said, holy crap. I think I could build something for fishing that was similar to it. And I was, you know, when somebody like Lou calls you all excited about something, my job, if I had to sum it down into one sentence, it's recognizing good opportunities and taking advantage of them and surrounding yourself with people that are way smarter than you at what they do. And, uh, and all those boxes were checked. So that was Lou. I mean, tell, tell every that to me, that was like when you built. The black powder factory next to the matchstick storage place and it just it kind of went crazy and and you know put on put on your full techie genius hat and tell everyone kind of you know what the driver was behind this and kind of where we've come and where we're going
1: well, you're very generous with your comments, Tony. And, and actually it's funny you mentioned Blaine because I think I, 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 I trade in a hundred percent of any knowledge I have on anything for about 10% of the knowledge he has on fly design and bait, fish and fish. That guy is truly, uh, something else. And I've, uh, had the pleasure of becoming friends with him. Thanks to you, uh, Tony as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess got one is the intersection of. A few things I'm just super passionate about, which is always awesome when you can combine things that you love. Obviously, fishing being uh, first and foremost, but uh, as someone who's been in the tech industry my entire career, and I've been an entrepreneur, and 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 specifically interested in artificial intelligence and applications around data and AI for educational technology. You know, I have actually for years been thinking about. Just how inefficient um, manual traditional fishing logs have been. And, you know, we talked about this on an earlier podcast, but just it just seemed to me that this was a kind of a perfect application for mobile technology because, you know, you're standing there in the water and you're trying to take notes on a fish you just caught and there's no light and you're, you know, being pounded by waves and you're handling a fish. It's just, it's it's a recipe for disaster and it's really hard for anyone to keep up with it in a serious way. And yet, you know, if you talk to a friend of like Peter Jenkins at Saltwater Edge, he'll tell you that when he talks to, you know, people he interviews, experienced fishermen, the one thing they all say is a key to success is keeping a good fishing law. Um, So, but like, you know, 2% of us do it because it's such a hassle. And it just occurred to me that, you know, because modern phones today know where you are, what time it is, what date it is, and by, by, because they have a connection to the internet where they can, they can get a connection later on, even if you don't have one where you're standing in the water, um, it knows the tides, the moon phases, the weather, um, water temperature, currents, everything. And so, um, you know, this notion that you could, with one touch of a button, this was the original idea, just record everything you needed to record about your catch and make it totally hassle-free and then generate data and insights on the other side of all of it was really the genesis of it. And you're right, we were using, uh it's actually the Merlin app uh from Cornell University. Uh, it's an incredible app for birders. And it just, you know, it just occurred to me this is not that challenging to do. And the only reason I didn't build it earlier was because I assumed someone would would build this app. Um, and what I saw instead were lots of fishing apps, but for the most part, they're like Facebook for fishermen, which is not what serious hardcore fishermen like you and I want. I mean, if we want to brag about our catches, we'll put it on Facebook or Instagram. This is a serious tool uh, to allow anglers to get better at their trade.
0: Listen, dude i i was kind of waiting to interject this, but when you like you know I'm pretty fortunate, even though the Chesapeake Bay has turned into the Dead Sea, the opportunities to hunt and fish around here are you know better than most um and you know i we have like just these little pothole. Marsh ponds everywhere, and every single one of them's different. You know, you you can catch these, you know, a little bit more acidic ponds. You, you you can catch these things called like blue spotted sunfish. Looks like a damn cichlid you'd have in an aquarium. They don't get more than like six inches. And the next pond, you walk, you know, two hundred yards and fish another pond that's normal, and you catch giant pickerel and crappie and bass and. You know, half a mile away, you walk to another pond and, you, and you're and you catching snakeheads. And it's, you know, it's just one of the shining examples of kind of like living here. Just if you have an hour, you, you likely 11 months out of the year, unless it's all hard water, you you can go out and you can catch something. And then you walk up to a pond and one day you see like, Lord, forgive me for, you know, getting ready to dump on somebody but you see like these teenagers and these kids in their 20s and they got 18 rods a gopro strapped to their chest another one on their head and they're running around the damn pond like i don't know like worker bees like they're like they're just they're moving like you know i'm like dude man y'all are making too much noise you know like everywhere like, like jackrabbits and uh and then one of them walks up to you and goes hey I saw on such and such app that there's snakeheads in here. And you're like, son of a bitch. Like, who put that? Like, don't you like, God damn it. Can I have anything? Like, is there nothing that's like sacred anymore? And when Lou kind of first presented this app to me, we were in complete agreement about two things. One, we would be crazy protective over people's fishing spots, and no one, no one's going to know your fishing spot but you, because I don't want to cater. I don't want to cater to that mentality. I, I, I am, I am an old person. I, 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 I'll be honest. Like I, I'm terrible at even reading side scans. Like, I, I, I'm one of those people, it's like, I know where the fish are. I'll need a damn side scan. You know, like, I've done this my whole life. Um, but I have it. I'm not going to lie. I have it. But I, I'm just terrible at reading it. And I, don't, I always just switch back to the old one. And I'm like, okay, I know how deep the water is. Here's the temperature. This is where the fish are at. So, you know, you're talking. And, and then guides. You know, let's, let's add the next layer onto that. You, you will never meet a group of people. That are more tuned into not telling you where they're fishing than a guide. Um, that's just not who we are, um, and <clears throat> so we're we're super protective over the location. And it's not some social media platform where it's a bragging board. It's not. There's already social media for that, and that's already done enough damage to our fisheries. That's kind of our position on that. Um, so those are things that it is not but what it is for real fishermen for people who i think and when i let me define real fishermen people who want to be better at what they do people people who want to learn more and and put the pieces together in every fishing trip every year every time that they go out aggregate that information and learn from it and that's you know that is what this does is it, it takes, you know, all this environmental information, the tide, the moon phase, all that kind of stuff slaps it on your phone and it puts it into these charts that even an idiot, I'm raising my hand right now. Y'all can't see the video can look at it and be like, Holy crap. This is what I try. I've been trying to do for the last 40 something years that I've been fishing and I can actually learn from this. Now on the flip side, then this is the really cool part and I'll let Lou talk about that. We're working with several state agencies and regional management bodies because there is a lot of, I mean, Lou's a data guy, I'm a fish guy. When I told Lou the gaps in the data He didn't believe me. And that's not a criticism for the scientists. Look, the Guides Association was created to speak for the resource. I'm not trying to be hokey. That's what we do, number one. And number two, help science. Whether that's paying for a telemetry study for false albacore or helping to develop this app to fill in huge gaps in the knowledge of like we'll use redfish in the Atlantic for an example because I don't think this is anybody's fault. Things that people don't consider, and I'm gonna let Lou start talking about how we're gonna help, but this is I must just set the stage for the situation. Because we have a slot limit and we cannot harvest anything over twenty seven inches on the Atlantic side, there is literally and there's no, you know, there's no commercial fishery for these big fish. There we have no clue. I mean, zero clue of how many adult fish are out there, and those are the ones that are making babies. So we kind of have a guess, and that's this is not the stock assessment scientists, this is not the state agency's fault. We have never had this technology in our hands in the, in, our, in the history of humanity. We have never had the ability to collect data like this. This has been a problem that they have been working on for decades, and this is a private entity that's coming in and saying, I think we can help. And it didn't, it was not easy, but we're getting there. And that's, that's a big part of 2024 is going to be redfish in the Atlantic. But Lou coming from like someone from the data world who was not in the fisheries world, you know, please tell the folks like what we had to overcome and actually how simple the data is to collect.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty shocking to me. Um, I mean, I, I Tony and I, y- you and I first met several years ago now when Saltwater Gods Association was just starting up. And, you know, I think like most fishermen, I was sort of paid casual attention to some of the conservation issues. And certainly I had my own anecdotal, you know, kind of experiences, particularly with respect to striped bass um but i really got a lesson from you and from from those around you about the science around all of this and being a data person i you know i just kept asking for more data like well how many fish are there in this area how often do we actually count redfish when do we and it it, it was it was truly shocking to me how little data we actually have about and i'm not talking about you know some in uh, a highly um unusual idiosyncratic species. I'm talking about the species that are the most popular for fishermen t- to pursue. Um, it was really incredible to me. I mean, you know, you talked about the albie tagging project. I mean, God, for as long as I've chased albies, I've been in arguments with people over whether the fish in Harker's Island are the same albies that we get around Montauk. How can we not know that? <laughs> it just seemed incredible to me. Um, so that was number one. Number two was, you know, if you think about what's happened with the advent of mobile technology um, and social media, I mean, Tony, you and I had a long conversation about the ills of social media yesterday, but there's some things that social media has contributed to society that are positives. You know, I think there's there's a there's been a sea change in the way that um, professional data people think about data it used to be that data had data could not actually count as data unless it was collected through um some extraordinarily complex scientific instrument that was um you know peer-reviewed from a process standpoint and tested every six months for bi- uh survey bias and you know and so on and so forth all of which i think is still very valid i'm not saying that we, we shouldn't do that but if you look at the way that the tech industry has thought about data, right? So when you when you when you use Google Maps to find the best route from, from uh Brooklyn to St. Michael's Island, um it's not going out and collecting surveys from a bunch of people that are three years old and then telling you, well, the surveys from the last three years tell you that this is the best path from point A to point B. It's actually using everyone who's got a Google map running on their phone, who's on the road to figure that out in real time. And that's the big sea change is data has become a real-time um, activity that is driven by large numbers of data points that you can statistically gain assurance about what's true and what's not true. If someone logs a 20-foot uh, striped bass, In the middle of North Dakota on our app, we don't include that data. It's very simple, right? We can run a regression line through our data and we see what is generally along that normal line distribution line. And that, that even with a high, much higher level of inaccuracy than, you know, handing out five surveys to five anglers might have. And and we all know that that's not the case. You know, we, we can actually know with a great deal more accuracy what's actually happening to fish, fish stocks. Um, because we have lots of data and we have the ability to use math against it, um, and logic against it to really gain meaningful insights. Now it's taken a while to get some of our friends in the scientific community to accept this as a legitimate, a legitimate approach. But what I'm super excited about, and you kind of tease this up, Tony, is that that's happening now. You know, and it started. Thank thank you to our friends at Massachusetts uh Division of Marine Fisheries. They were kind of the first, thanks to a lot of condoling from from you, Tony and ASGA. But now we're starting to see the the proverbial floodgates
0: start to open from a lot I have of a way about me. <laughs> convincing
1: <Yeah. laughs>
0: Convincing people to use stuff. It's kind of it's kind of like the master of the obvious. I'm like so. it's true. <laughs> you wanna you wanna hand out a piece of paper that's gonna go flying off somebody's boat and that they're gonna write this down while they're while acres of these fish are eating something on the surface, or do you wanna use a voice activated app that can essentially do this in five seconds, but it would take minutes. You know, and, and I think that I think there's a real something something that you did. I didn't do it, but man, we threaded that needle between yeah. um still making it viable for, you know, because you okay, so here's one of the big problems with like tagging or science or anything, is like the normal recreational angler gets all excited about it and they do it and they never hear anything again. And they yep. don't know what happened or what the results were, and they kind of you kind of lose your, you kind of lose your your that little burning fire, because you're like, wow, I didn't nobody even sent me anything back, you know, right? Um, and this is quite the opposite, you know. For example, you can go on the Mass DMF website and look at the data uploaded like every week. I think mass d m f is doing that, so it's not real time, but like we can check it once a week, and you can see you know what the preliminary results are of of all of this all of this research and um you know are the fish getting hurt with treble hooks, or was the water too warm this week, or you know it's it's really fascinating stuff, so I think what we're doing is enabling state really good state agencies like mass dmf and and other ones you know that we'll we can mention later on but in, enabling them to give back to the anglers that are participating by showing them what the results are and that's really what they want and then yeah. the next layer is not only do you get these cool results but you get this kick-ass fishing log that's yours yeah. and yours alone um and- so, so Lou, just to, just to make people's like heads pop, tell, tell them about, cause this is nuts. I still haven't wrapped my head around this. Tell them about how the AI is going to learn over time. This is not something that, you know, is ready tomorrow. Um, But tell them how, we're probably going to be able to uniquely identify multiple species. Not like, is this a Gulf flounder or a Southern flounder, but like this is striped bass, a dash seven, four, three, two, seven, four. And we know it's the same fish that was caught in the Chesapeake Bay three years ago. And it was just caught, it was just recaptured in Martha's vineyard. Yep. So to, Please just tell people about that because this is yeah. like, to me, this is sorry, Blaine, this changes the game, right? Like this is this is so wild to me and to have you know this repository of images and not a, and, and it and I, I pray to God that it it kind of shifts the paradigm of a fish image being, a bragging, look at me, look how awesome I am, to this thing is in a cloud storage somewhere and it's constantly being reviewed for matches and we can learn a lot about it. It adds a tagging, a spaghetti tagging component to imagery. So please just tell people about that. I just think it's cool as hell.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first big step this year when you mentioned voice activation, so... In addition to voice activation, and this was thanks to um, a grant from you guys and from uh, Hatch Outdoors, uh, the makers of the great fly reels and, and other tackle, um, was the ability to actually log through a photo. So when you take a photo now, you know uh, instead of having to um, hit the button say you caught something or use a voice, it actually creates a log in Dot One. You can either upload a photo or you can take a photo through yeah. You can even wait till you get back to your house and upload the photos. As long as the photos have the metadata in it, it'll create a log entry with the exact right time location. And as a result of that, all the environmental, the appropriate environmental data. But I've been working with, I mentioned that, you know, my background is in, in AI and I'm I'm working actually with a global consortium of, uh, fish, uh, scientists and researchers, uh, who are focused on the use of application of AI for marine biology and, uh there are already proven models that we are we've been testing um, and we will integrate into got one this year uh, in twenty four um uh, next year this year, depending on when this comes out um, that can identify the species of the fish from your log photo so you take a picture of you holding a false albacore and the um got one app uh, is able to use an AI model to uh, identify the species of fish at a very high level of accuracy. Um, we've already tested that in the lab. Um, it'll be, it'll be coming out, you know, this year for sure. The next step of all that, which you sort of alluded to is the ability not only to identify the species. Oh, by the way, then the other thing that we can do is identify the length. So we'll use it, um, this coming year you'll be able to take a picture of the fish you're holding if you're holding a got one sticker uh with the fish and we'll we'll it can be a sticker we'll have different calibration objects maybe it's an asga sticker you hold that with the fish it'll actually measure the length and the girth as well and so from that we can also calculate weight so all of a sudden it becomes easier and easier and easier to input the data and you're limiting
0: you're limiting handling you're limiting time out of the water you know you're doing this because a lot of a lot of times you know you talk start talking about these apps and you're like "Mm,
1: yeah Yeah.
0: okay that's going to be 30 extra seconds because of like what what the scientists need to collect for this data to be able to be used in you know filling gaps in a stock assessment let's say and you know your team has had the ability to kind of take these things that have been impediments and things that we were concerned about like dude if we do all of this that striper's going to be out of the water for an extra 30 seconds if we're lucky i'm not really comfortable with this like what the hell's the point of doing all this if we kill the fish the voice activation the the little totem i think it's called you know little sticker that's the right size being able to measure the fish um and so let me uh, just backtrack for one second luke because you you said something and you know maybe people in the northeast are like big friggin deal you know oh it's a striper it's an albie oh yeah some fancy computer okay well you're clearly either a new england patriots or a a philadelphia eagles fan if that was the first thing that popped into your head (laughs) But i won't go down that rabbit hole um but negative Nelly. But if you're in North Carolina, and you have three species of flounder, southern, summer, gulf flounder, they're actually pretty damn hard to tell apart for the average fisherman. One stock is doing terribly, the other two stocks aren't doing as terribly. And what that has done to North Carolina anglers has limited their ability to catch the other two stocks and and they have, you know, these crazy truncated seasons where their flounder season is like, you know, I think 10 days, 90, I I, I don't know. But if you have something that is like 99% accurate and you put your phone on that fish and it says that is a summer flounder and you can keep it instead of like, it's the reverse of like what apps are used for, for like, red snapper which is real time catch accounting and the more the more logs you get the faster the fishery shuts down you know you're basically just sand going out of an hourglass but because of the the brains that this thing has we're actually looking at innovative ways to be able to identify species that are very hard to tell apart this would come into play with you know grouper species as well they're not easy. Like some of them, you know, the juveniles versus adults versus, I mean, you got an average fisherman has a tough time and understandably so. And you can pull this phone out and take a picture of this thing. And this damn thing's counting the spines, looking at the spots, doing everything. Bam, summer flounder, not a golf, not a Southern summer. Boom. And now all of a sudden, instead of a nine-day season, you're opening up this world of opportunity, which is the polar opposite of real-time catch accounting, where your quote is just ticking down, 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 down. Yeah. So we're—I just wanted to, you know,
1: yeah, and even for, all you, eagles, for all you
0: eagles and fans and our kind of mentality.
1: Uh, we're 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 still living vida Loco right now. <laughs> so <we're out> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean even here in the northeast, right? I mean, in the last few seasons we've had this huge influx of different mackerel. Um, and people are confusing Benito and false albacore and frigate mackerel and you know, you name it, uh, all sorts of different um similar species. But so that, that's kind of, that's kind of phase one, and that'll happen pretty quickly, um, in 24. And then, but phase two, which you were mentioning, which is what I'm super excited about. This is kind of the holy grail, um, for me is we, we believe now, and we actually, there are examples of this being done, um, in, in, in freshwater, particularly with a study that, um, Folks at WildMe and USGS, um, and folks in actually in Japan have been doing around trout identification. Um, AI models have gotten so good that they are able to actually identify individual fish from their markings and from the, through the morphology. Um, and what's in cool, super cool about that is what they've shown, for instance, with trout is, you know, you can take a picture of a trout, um, as a fingerling. And two, three years later, as an adult, it still recognizes that that's the same fish. The model is smart enough to figure out uh, what the common features are, even through changes to the morphology. Uh, we believe that that will have really wide application uh, for the species. You know, we're predominant. We're obviously right now um, uh, exclusively focused on saltwater. We will expand over time, I'm sure, to encompass freshwater. But the game fish that we are interested in, we believe... We will be able to get to a point where we can identify each fish individually. And to your point, I mean, you know, I, I went on a I'll be tagging trip um this year. Um, and uh and it's great. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is incredible, and I'm so excited about that research. But I'm reminded every time I'm you know on a boat where we're tagging fish that this is it's a fairly traumatic exercise, um, not just for the angler, but for the fish. And you gotta know what you're doing. And you fish is handled and it's out of the water and it's it's subjected to, you know, to 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 a wound and all of that stuff. You know, imagine if we could do away with tags altogether, uh, simply by being able to photographically identify them. And so when they're caught in in montauk and photographed and then they're caught again in jupiter three months later uh, you have a positive identification of the same fish without the need to actually put a tag in the fish at all Uh, and so ultimately every photograph of every fish by every angler becomes a tag that's the vision
0: yeah and again you know what we're doing is trying to leverage technology to minimize you know the guys like you know the telemetry tags the guys from new england aquarium are great they have this whole system they pump water through the fish you know they get it done lickety splits fast as they can uh and the survival rate is like through the roof but how cool would it be and this is you know this is like an economy of scale we'll hit a threshold really soon where enough people are using this thing where what you just described is viable more people need to use it now that said i know you just sent a newsletter out just to show that this is about as real as it gets like you want to hit some you want to hit some highlights from that. I think this would be really encouraging for people. And like underst I want everyone before Lou rips this off because it's really cool stuff. I want everyone to understand that we are not <sighs> we would not be putting so many resources into this if we did not have agreements that the data would be used for science. And we have those. Specifically. In the Atlantic for redfish and with mass DMF for striped bass. And, and and I'll tell you, we're getting pretty close in the Atlantic for bluefish as well. Because they have, they have a lot of similarities, a lot of data constraints um, that redfish have. Nobody knows how many bluefish are released or what the lengths of those released fish are. And while that's just like one facet of the stock assessment, that's big, you know, again, not real-time catch accounting, but like, everyone's worried about, you know, catch and release mortality. And it's all these estimates. So instead of saying ban catch and release fishing, which is pretty much the polar opposite of everything that, you know, we stand for, um, or, you know, what, what we're saying is like, we are developing tools that are going to give you better information over time and incorporate it into these assessments. And, you know, it's just kind of like door to door vacuum sales. Like I feel like sometimes I feel like an aluminum siding salesman from like the fifties, you know, like you knock on a door and sometimes they slam the door in your face and throw hot water on you. And other times they're like, Oh, come in and tell me about this stuff. And, um, And we focused on, you know, inshore species like redfish, um, to a certain degree, albies and, uh, and bluefish and stripers, because that's kind of like the underserved community. Everyone wants to focus on the snapper grouper complex. And the reality is the bulk of fishermen on the Atlantic coast, they're fishing for stripers, bluefish and redfish and albies. And that's what that, and the, that's the data that we want to provide we want to make the biggest impact that we can so all that said when lou tells you this stuff there's an awful lot of this information that's going to scientists with the, with the location scrubbed everyone calmed down um it's all it's all good we like for an example redfish in the atlantic When we worked through with the stock assessment scientists and the fisheries um, fisheries plan coordinator that that are you know and the technical committee and all that kind of stuff that striped bass has, redfish have them too. Lou and I were like, okay, you know, we'll we're gonna don't get mad at us. We're gonna scrub this data within 15 miles of where the fish was caught. So you you know, y'all won't know exact locations and I'll never forget, man. They looked at us on the on the Zoom meeting and they're like, we don't care. Just give us the state. And we were like, Oh, that's awesome. That <laughs> yeah. is adds like music to our ears. Like, yeah. give us the state. Done. We'll give you the state. So yeah. again, your stuff is safe, but Lou, from like from like, okay, my wife's listening to birds. <laughs> to we've got all these agreements to collect data on these fish and we're going to hit it as hard as we can in 2024. Why don't you hit some highlights of 2023? Because I think this is a true success story.
1: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So I am um, I am about to hit send on the newsletter. If any of you want to get on uh, our mailing list, by the way, if you if didn't uh, uh, opt in through the app or you're not sure, you haven't received any newsletters from us, just go to our website uh www.gotoneapp.com www.gotoneapp, and you can sign up for the newsletter um you know we only send out maybe once a quarter or so but this is a big one because it's the end of our first year or so it kind of has a kind of what we you know put together is kind of an almanac of some of the data insights um and if for some reason you didn't get it um you know just reach out to me um what uh, your my email address we'll, we'll we'll figure out how to get that out tony i'm sure and um uh, you can just send it to um uh, contact at got dot com that works um and uh, we'll make sure that you get the uh the newsletter but just to give you some sense of the insight so um for all of you using got one out there um thank you uh we had um you know, over 1,600 really regular users of the app this season um, who logged close to 7,000 fish in 2023. Uh, we have fish from before then, too, but really just counting the 2023 fish, about almost 7,000 fish. The vast majority, Tony, to your point, uh, were striped bass. Uh, about half of all the fish tag were striped bass. But we had fish, 21 different species of fish caught. Uh, using the got one app and that includes cobia, 27 cobia. Um, uh, it includes a uh, ton 400, over 400 false albacore, uh, almost 500 bluefish, uh, almost 200, uh, redfish, cog, snook, uh, bonito, tarpon, black sea bass. Uh, we added tunas, uh, late in the season and a bunch of tuna tagged as well. So. 35 bonefish. I, I contributed a number of those. <laughs> my, my first permit ever is one of the 19 permit that were logged. So it was really fun to be able to see the diversity of species that all of you using Got One are fishing for out there. Um, the most, the first fish logged in, in Got One was on January 2. Uh, I'm guessing somewhere tropical. The last fish, uh, logged as of today, we're not quite at the end of the year, was uh, December 18th. Um, Altogether, there were fish tagged on 325 of 365 days in 2023. So all of you all were fishing pretty hard out there. Um the most catches occurred during low tide, interestingly enough. Uh low tide and the low outgoing tide were the two most productive uh fishing periods across all species. Um and um uh interestingly for um uh, the most productive, I was curious about that. So, this is another thing I should mention. And, Tony, I, I said this to you a lot of this is the insights we're getting are also being powered now by the latest advances in AI technology, specifically um, uh, technologies like ChatGPT. Um, so, um, we now have the Got One data. We use it, we aggregate it, and then we use it with a custom uh, AI tool that we built using GPT. To derive insight. So I can ask you questions like, uh, in fact, big shout out to Tom Fuda, who's, uh, heads our technology and is a great fisherman too, and has been just an incredible partner in this project. He said to me, Hey, Liam, what were the three most productive weeks during 2023 for fishermen, both for all species and then just specifically for striped bass? So it turns out for all species, the three most productive weeks were the week of October 22nd. It's week 43 uh, of the year. Uh, the week of October 8th. Uh, which was week forty-one and the uh, week of October fifteenth. Very similarly for striped bass. Now, obviously, striped bass were the vast majority of the data. It was almost identical. It was October twenty-second, October twenty-eighth, October fifteenth to October twenty-first, and October first to October seventh. Those 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 dates happens particularly those last two, the fifteenth to twenty-first, first to seventh, um, occur around the new moon in October. Uh, which is confirmatory to a lot of things that anglers have believed about striped bass fishing, but those were by far the most productive for striped bass. Um, uh, and then, as I mentioned, in terms of tide, low was most productive, but with a spike around the high tide. It was really around, and again, this is very confirmatory, of what many of us know to be the case. It was really on on the beginning and the end of the, um, the outgoing, and then right around uh, either side of the incoming as well that the most fish were caught and the most striped bass. Um, Another interesting thing we found, if you zoom in on a couple things on striped bass, uh, number one was the optimal water temperature really varied by region. So uh, one of the things we've used AI to do is to aggregate the longitude and latitude coordinates of catches and generalize them into better known fishing spots. So we can report on things like Cape Cod as a general spot, right? Without blowing anyone's spot, Raritan Bay to New York Bight as a spot, Montauk Gardner's Bay Peconics as a spot, Uh, Eastern Connecticut to Rhode Island Shoreline as a spot. And so it turns out, for instance, in Cape Cod, the optimal temperature for striped bass water temperature was 64 degrees, very, very strong correlation there. Whereas in Raritan Bay, it was 60 degrees which actually kind of makes some sense because at Rirton Bay fishery is a very early, late fishery. Uh, and so you've got cooler water uh, as opposed to, you know, and, and Montauk actually was fairly cool, too. was between 60 and 62, whereas in the sound, it was very strongly correlated with 64, 65, 66 degree temperature. Um, so that was actually interesting to me because I always thought of it as one big like, all right, striped bass prefer a particular temperature. But it's a lesson that it really depends on where you're fishing as well. And then one of the things you'd mentioned, sort of the handling of fish, and this is an insight that we got th- through our collaboration with MassDMF. Um, boy, if you want to know how to handle a striped bass and make sure that it's healthy to go out and make more baby striped bass, there are three things that you gotta know. One of them is as soon as um, uh, the water temperature um goes above about 70 degrees. The vitality of a released fish plummets, absolutely plummets. Uh, so in warm water, handle your fish less. And those of us who fished for striped bass in the summer, you know how hard it is sometimes to revive a particularly big fish in warm water. The second one is vitality versus handling. So if you keep a, a if you take a, a striped bass out of the water for a minute, you're fine. As soon as it gets past a minute and a half, two minutes, vitality plummets again. So if you combine that with warm water temperatures, if you're holding a fish out of the water for five minutes on a day when the water is 70, 72 degrees, the chance that that bass is going to survive are pretty low. And then the third thing, which was really a sort of confirmatory to me is um, tackle type. Uh Bait far and away is associated with um, the most, uh, the least vitality for release striped bass. Uh, and that has to do largely with the correlation between using bait and where the fish end up being hooked. Um, and again, this wasn't based on hundreds of thousands of data points, but the conclusions are so clear that even a few thousand data points uh, is enough for us to all modify our behavior um, uh, and know that that will contribute to uh, the well-being of the fish. So
0: just some In example. Blue, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Those are real easy things to fix. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Those are, crazy easy things for conservation minded fishermen I mean look it's this simple um, circle hooks are not a silver bullet um, if you're fishing with bait and to be honest you know treble treble is pretty lethal if you're if you're thinking of you know two trebles three trebles pretty lethal um again go to the go to the mass dmf site you can see the results right there. there is almost 4,000 fish that they've recorded we'll be doing it again with them next year but like i don't know what to tell you like not you lou but the listeners like people say like hold your breath you hold your breath when you pull a striper out of the water all right and when you start being like, well, guess what? The striper's doing the same thing, getting back in. Like, I know you're excited. And the last thing we want is to be like the catch and release police, right? And like, people get shamed on social media for pulling a fish out of the water and taking a picture. That's okay. It's okay. You just caught the fish of a lifetime. You're, you know, 50 years ago, somebody would have thrown him in the cooler and gotten a skin mount. Today, you're releasing it. But like, just keep in the back of your mind that if you just change your behavior a tiny bit, it's like changing your behavior to record something on the app. If You just take 10 seconds and record that on the app, you're going to be a force for good. And, and you're going to be giving data to scientists and these are the people that give pretty strong direction on how our fisheries should be managed. And that, that's the key to having fisheries in the future. So that's number one. Number two, a little behavioral change. You got the fish of a lifetime. You know, lean over the boat, put two hands on her jaw. Look, look at your buddy who's fishing with you. Hopefully it's one of our captains and say, are you ready? And they look at you and say, ready. And you pick that you pick that girl up out of the water, bam bam, bam, three four burst photos, put it right back in you can you can do that, you can do that in seconds,
1: yeah, don't and by the way, turn totally...
0: the damn fish around to ever not yeah. don't do it,
1: yeah, no, you're totally right and and but the flip side that's really interesting is because um. There's also those who, you know, there's sort of the, the keep it wet contingent, which I totally understand and empathize with. But, you know, I do, but when I have people on my boat and they catch a big fish, you know, that they're excited about, I do have them take it out of the water. I do exactly what you said. I'd say one, two, three, you know, lift. And then we take a photo and we get it back in. I get grief about that um, on social media. And, I, you know, I've obviously done some soul searching. Well, again, the data is really interesting here. You hold that fish out of the water, for up to a minute, its vitality is extraordinarily, it's over 87%, you know, it's close to 90%. But you hold it out longer than two minutes and that plummets. And so, you know, again, I think this is important for us to understand that uh, it helps us have a more realistic understanding of how we should be practicing as anglers too.
0: Hey, look, man, you know, we talked about this forever. You know, you look at some of the biggest shifts in hunting and fishing in the last in my lifetime you know they came out i grew up in shangri-la for duck hunting i was born in memphis tennessee we had we had some of the finest right where the delta starts some of the finest bird hunting anywhere on this earth in the 70s and 80s when i was a kid i'm here to tell you like they come out and they said hey all these ducks are dying they're eating you know they need to they need to eat like little pebbles and stuff to grind up the seeds and everything in their gizzard and they're eating this lead shot that y'all are shooting and they're getting lead poisoning and they're dying y'all can't use lead shot for migratory birds anymore and it was a big shift and there's a lot of you know lead lead can knock a bird down ain't nothing it's good. It expands. It's soft. I was there before the ban. But you know what? You look at it and you're like, Yeah, like did I kill the right birds? thing to do? Did I kill five birds last year that just died a horrible death of lead poisoning? Because I was, and and you you know, you you accept it. And and to get hunters to accept something like that in God, was it like the eighties? early 80s when that happened ah man i was there's no internet there's no nothing it's like you just you can't use lead we're not selling lead anymore you can't use it for migratory birds and it happened and we did it and things are a lot better now because of it um you know we still have some fantastic duck hunting in certain parts of of this country and it's it's wonderful i don't know if we hadn't made that change and then you know the other thing is like largemouth bass you know you killed everything when i was a kid you she's stringers a five six seven eight pound large mouse, take your polaroid put it up on the tackle shop that was social media 1.0 um you know and then all of a sudden bass comes out um you know bat, bass pro you know takes a position on it forest wood you know, all these, all these iconic Bill dance, Roland Martin and all these guys. And they said, no, 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 this this is all going to be catching release. And bam, I mean, it changed and it changed everything. And, you know, those are the two most iconic shifts. This is not a tectonic shift. Okay. All, All we're saying is don't be an idiot. Like don't, You don't need to pass this damn fish around the boat. You don't need to to take a picture of you holding it and then take a picture of you holding it on a ruler and then take another picture of you holding it. Get over yourself. That's my message. Get over your own damn ego. Put the damn fish back in the water. Now, here's the shift, right? If you take these pictures on the app, Instead of it being a bragging board, you're actually helping the species because if you do it in a sustainable way, get that fish back in the water, quick lickety split, which is totally possible. The more pictures we have, the faster the AI will learn, and I know that's just creepy as you know what, (laughs) and I'm not comfortable saying it, but like we're not sending drones to your house yet. Like the faster the AI will learn and the bigger repository we have. So like what I'm saying is there's a fine line between the lunatics that yell at you when you're being responsible and you're following the science and you take the picture, you take that picture because we support that. I want your son to catch a giant striper and do everything right and have that picture over his desk and being able to look up at it and be like that was a great day with my dad. That I mean that makes my heart go pitter patter just thinking about it. So like not taking that away from people. But let's use it for science. Let's do it the two things. Do it the right way. Use it for science. And then you're in it's a net positive. And like you don't, none of this stuff do you have to go off the deep end. Just don't be such a selfish putz. Like, just, I'm serious. Like you're laughing at me, but I'm serious. Don't, you know, this is not about promoting yourself. Fishing is about interacting with the environment, learning every time that you go out, being grateful for the opportunity to go out because not everyone can do it. And you know, kind of like leave only footprints. Yeah, yeah. Take a couple fish home. You want to eat them? Fine. Who cares? But take five seconds and use your brain, and don't be so egotistical when you're putting these things back in the water, and then upload the picture to us, and we'll use it for science. And you'll add to, you'll add to that body where when you're an old person. Sitting on the beach, and you you know, when you're 80 years old and you see a bunch of high school students running down the beach with their rods, chasing a school of breaking stripers, you kind of say, hey, man, I help with that. I'm really glad that next generation can participate. And that's the whole idea behind this app is to help. Right? Just common sense stuff to help. That's where I'm at.
1: Amen. And, you know, I, I want to say two things also, um, you know, that, that, that come up a lot. The first is, and we've kind of talked around it, and I know we've talked about it before, but the issue of privacy, it's, it's the number one sort of pushback and, um, sort of, you know, concern that we get from anglers about the app. And I know, Tony, you said this, but I want to say it in no uncertain terms, too. Like, Unlike a lot of other fishing apps out there, we were committed to making Got One an app for anglers by anglers. So it really had to abide by what I and Tony and Tom Fuda and anyone else who's been involved in building the app, but what we would expect from any app that we were asked to use or expected to use as fishermen. And the number one concern there was making sure that your, Spots are protected. Your privacy is protected. So when we talk about sharing the data, A, it's not shared with other users. Your spot, like when you catch a fish, that location isn't shared with other anglers. Uh, we will aggregate that data and we generalize it to a multi-mile sort of radius, as Tony said. We anonymize it. We strip out any name, information, anything like that. Um, and the scientists get a file with an aggregation of all of the data with these generalized, um, uh, locations and they don't get it in real time. Well, they'll get it, you know, 24 hours or later or weekly or whatever. Over time, we will add the ability for you as anglers and users to share information you want to share with friends or with colleagues. Like we've had a lot of requests from outfitters and from guys to say, hey, you know, we run an operation with six guys. We want our guys to be able to share their spots and stuff like that. We will add that, but you will, as a user, always be the person who's in charge of how you're sharing that specific data about your your catches, et cetera. Uh, and you'll see from like the Almanac data that I put together, it's all generalized. Um, it would be impossible to reverse engineer into a spot. And then the last thing I want to mention, because, you know, AI is something new and people do get a little... You know, nervous about it and, and it's an unknown in terms of privacy. So we've gone so far as when, when we've been testing AI to do the species recognition and the fish recognition that we mentioned earlier, uh, Tony, we've gone so far that when you, when that photo goes to our, uh, AI model for testing, the AI actually first blurs out any face, any recognizable visual uh, characteristics of the angler, uh, or the spot that they're in. And all it really gets is kind of an outline of the fish itself. Um, and it's pretty cool. Like we can't, you can't even from that image see who's holding the fish. Um, and, um, and we think that's super important. Privacy is like the number one concern for us as anglers as well. Uh, we give just enough data to scientists that it actually is actionable and useful for these sorts of insights. And we give you your data so that you can really learn from your fishing, but we hold those two kind of things sacrosanct.
0: Well, let me tell you something, you know, um, uh, start, start and finish where I started, you know, my <laughs> people ask me all the time. They're like, Oh, what degree do you have? how did you get this job? Where did you go to school? And I'm like, well, this is the equivalent of falling into a hole. Like I just, I was walking through life and just was like, Oh Jesus, like fell into, Hey, no, here's the deal. You, You learn, you learn to be able to understand people and understand their motivation and discern really quickly if it's a good opportunity and a bad opportunity, right? What do they What do they say? If you, If you want to know the outcome of something before it's done, just look at the intentions. You know this. This is the intentions of this are pretty simple, and that's to make sure that our kids and grandkids can catch fish. And we've been doing this long enough to where we know what our concerns are. And instead of blasting the scientists and the fisheries managers and everyone else and saying how much smarter we are than them, and we're actually coming to them with our hat in our hand and saying, we think we can help. We're on your team. And we're not asking you to, we're not going to, give you this data and then say you have to do x y and z and manage the fish this way you know there's a level of trust and respect and we're saying we're going to get this data for you and do the right thing you know with it and i was teasing before but you know we we decided early on to, to start slow and grow slow and make this thing so robust um and such an awesome tool for the individual angler and for the scientists and managers that you know this little slow growth model, um, and and chipping away and chipping away and working every day at it, it's actually it's happening. And when you do that for a year, and you look back and you're like, how the hell did we get here? And that's kind of where we are right now. So here is my plea to y'all you know probably on i'm gonna say our second to last podcast of the year maybe you i don't know when you'll get maybe you'll get this right at the first of the year whatever we're we're recording this on the 27th um but we'll make we'll make a couple promises to you and this is straight from me to you ain't gonna burn your spot that's number one because i'll i'll stop supporting this thing tomorrow if it burned lou would too like if it burns your spots. And number two is the scrub data is going to be used to help science. And then here's the big thing: here's number three. We're going to keep you updated as users. That's our responsibility to you to tell you the difference that you're making. Because we really, we really value all of y'all. And we know that, yeah, the log's great and all this other stuff is great, but there's part of you that wants to contribute to science and to help the fisheries and the management and all that kind of stuff. And we've created this thing that can help you do that. But if you don't have any, if you don't have anything to hold on to that says, you know, Holy mackerel, like look at these results of this super cool study. And I, they recorded a thousand fish and I put, I put 35 of them in there. And that's pretty mm-hmm. damn cool. Cause the reality is if we can do that, if we can keep that promise to y'all, You're going to tell your friend about it and they're going to tell their friend. And they're going to tell their friend. And that's how this thing is going to grow and that's how we want it to grow. I'd much rather, it's the same thing with like the guides association social media. We never paid for likes. I don't want those likes. I'd -hmm. rather have what we have now, you know, 12,000 followers on Instagram that are super engaged, care and just great dialogue. And that's we want this thing to grow because it has value for you to learn as a fisherman, and it has value to contribute to science. So those are the three promises that that we'll give you. Lou's always Lou's team, Lou tell them your email address, forgot the got one email address, rather. um if anyone has any questions, Lou gets some of the greatest questions, some of the most encouraging <laughs> questions ever y'all know our email address is comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org um i hope y'all had absolutely wonderful christmas i hope you have absolutely fabulous new year we'll get lou to close this out tell people i want you to tell people how to sign up for the email newsletter how to download the app if they're encouraged by this podcast and then if they have any questions, once they download the app, how to email your team and y'all are super responsive.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Um, so uh, you can reach me at Luyen at got one Says So it's L-U-Y-E-N at got one app, com. Uh, you can also send it to uh contact at got dot but Luyen at got dot goes straight to me. And we love to hear from anglers. So, you know, any, any, thoughts you have. We get some great ideas. A lot of our product roadmap is really informed by, by anglers who say, hey, do you ever think about doing this? Or how about this species? And we, we listen to and answer every one of those emails. So you know, I encourage you to interact with us that way. Um, you can download the app. It's got one, one word, G-O-T-O-N-E, um, on both Google Play Store and on the Apple App Store. Um, please, 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 if you feel inclined and you like the app, um, give us a five star rating and, and a review. We, we, we got one one star review and I know who it was from. It's from a competitor. <laughs> Everyone else gave it five stars. So we're trying to drown out those competitors who are threatened by the app. Uh, so appreciate that in advance. Um, there's a lot of material on how to use the app, tips, uh, updates on, on partnerships and so on on our YouTube channel. So just look for the got one app on YouTube. We're on, uh, Facebook and, and, uh, Instagram. Instagram's got one app. They're all got one app, basically one word. Um, and yeah, we, we really look for it. download the app, use it. You know, this is a great time in the off season when you're gearing up, just consider it a tackle upgrade. It's free. Uh, so you consider it a free, free stocking stuffer, uh, tackle upgrade. Um, and, um, you know, if, if, if you need any help at all, ever just reach out to me.
0: So one of the Lou, one of the coolest things that you can do in the off season with the app and you kind you talked about this but understanding that like most people are like me and not like you you if you download the app like you know when you listen to this the hope right. that you download the app take some of your fishing pictures from yeah,
1: 2023
0: drag them into there because it's got that metadata on the picture it says the day and the time and the location and the app's smart enough where it'll go and reach out, and it'll tell you what the high, you know. Okay, you were fishing at high tide on August twenty third yeah. You caught that big striper in that picture, and it knows your location. And it'll say, oh, blah, 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 and it'll put everything together, so you can like backlog images. Yeah, yeah. you do it from twenty twenty two, and then you kind of get used to using it. You put like ten pictures in there from twenty twenty three. And then all of a sudden it'll populate all these charts that we're talking about. Yeah. You can be sitting there watching the bowl games, you know, on the, cause I'm actually a college football fan. I was teasing all <laughs> you Eagles fans. Like I don't really, I don't really care too much about the NFL. <laughs> so I'll be watching the bowl games and stuff in my face, black eyed peas and ham. That's another Southern thing. Anyway, <laughs> I digress, but put drag them pictures into the app and look how smart this daggum thing is. And all of a sudden you'll be like, wait a minute, like I don't have to start from zero in twenty twenty four when my season starts in April or May, or whenever y'all start catching fish. Like you can actually look at it and backlog from twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two and be like, Whoa.
1: And you can even go back further than that. I was I, I was didn't up to, I didn't right? want
0: to blow up your story. Yeah, no, no. Space. I mean so I, was, I- <laughs>
1: The other day, I mean, I I was going through my old fishing photos, and I was like, oh, I remember that day. That was so cool. That was over by Coney Island in New York City, and I just threw it in there, and it was 2019, and it wasn't Coney Island. It was actually down on the Jersey Shore, and I was like, oh, my God, you just unlocked all these memories that I had completely gotten rid of. It's really fun. Uh, our good buddy, Mike Hogan, uh, Captain Mike from Hoagie Lures, he got so excited about it. He spent one night and just started uploading everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> would Hogan, like uh, Hogan is yeah. man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what dude, like, that guy is why wa- he's wound up like a $2, yeah, $2 watch, man. It's he just, if, and, and he loves this. He loves this stuff. And it's like one of those things where like, Hogan's the kind of guy that like, if he sinks his teeth into something like you best bet is just to stand back.
1: And it's like
0: one of the junkyard pit bulls that like gets through the fence. Like, just shut your car door, man, and let the damn thing calm down. Like, just stay out of the way, you know? So Hogan loves this thing. He's going to be doing tons of media on it um, coming up because he sees the value in it. And, you know, just think how much fun that'll be. Instead of just, like, mindlessly scrolling through depressing videos on Instagram, download the app, drag, like, 15 pictures in it and then see the test it and see the value for yourself because it'll, it'll start aggregating all this moon phase tide and all this other crap. And you'll see those charts and you'll be like, wow, I'm start. Okay. So, uh, okay. That, that confirms what I believed and that is completely the opposite of what I believed. And Holy crap. For 10 minutes, I just learned a bunch. And if you're that kind of fisherman, this is the product for you. If you're the kind of fisherman that expands a picture and looks in the reflection of another fisherman's sunglasses yeah. <laughs> of a picture that he posted online to see the houses on the shoreline to steal his spot. <laughs> this may not be the, this may not be the, the app for you, but it's if you better. want to we make sure. Yeah, there's plenty of yeah, other apps for you. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with them. But yeah. if you, if you actually want to elevate your game, make yourself a little bit better, give yourself a better shot at that fish of a lifetime and and learn. We think this is the right thing for you. And you can kind of go to put your head on the pillow at night and feel all good about yourself because you're contributing to the body of science. So Lou, man, I hope, uh, I, I know you're probably going to have as thrilling of a new year's as I am. <laughs> probably, probably the key components will be PJ pants <laughs> and, uh, and uh you know i don't know maybe i don't know i'll, I'll be watching games. I think just
1: not having 102 fever and coughing up my lung will probably be good enough for me i'm
0: so great dude two two good nights sleep in a row yeah same me. here a miracle um yeah. just a, i mean god i feel like a different person um <laughs> but that's behind us we can leave all that crap in 2023 um thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to Thanks be on man. our podcast anybody's got questions comments at Association.org. if we read them on the air you'll win a pair of costas from our awesome sponsor happy new year my friend look forward to seeing the great things we're going to do together in 2024
1: you too tony can't wait take care